This is Grow Your Life with Jason Scott Montoya, a podcast with stories and systems to live better and work smarter. Welcome to this book discussion episode of Grow Your Life. I'm Jason Scott Montoya, and in this discussion, I get to introduce you to the co-author of The Map. The Map is Your Path to Effectiveness and Leadership, Life, and Legacy, Keith M. Eigel, PhD. Keith, say hello. Hello. Good to be with you. (laughs) Yes. Keith and I have known each other for about a decade, first connected through a mutual friend. Um, From there, we've worked together on several occasions. In 2017, I completed uh, the Leaders Lyceum Personal Development Program here in the Atlanta area. The Leaders Lyceum is an organization founded by Keith and is dedicated to transforming people and impacting organizations. Today, I want to talk to you, Keith, about your book, and how the included framework inside the book can help us navigate the confusion, the turmoil around us, while also equipping us to explore and engage the opportunities, both personally or professionally or entrepreneurially, um, to create and grow during this season. Um, That's very rare um, and can be challenging, but also fruitful. So to start us off, Keith, tell us about you, your story, the work you do, and how things have changed in your paradigm. (laughs) Um, Wow. A lot of stuff. I'm 57 years old, so there's, I, you probably don't want all the background I could actually give you. But um, about 25 years ago, I uh, went back to uh, 30 years ago, actually. Now went back to school and uh, took a doctorate in industrial organizational psychology. Yeah. Um, my wife and I had been married about a decade at that point. Went into graduate school with one kid, came out with three. Okay. Um, we had a little mascot baby 16 years ago, so lots of family <laughs> stuff going on. But for the last 25 years, we have been focusing on growing grown-ups mm-hmm. in the context of leadership. I mean, we're just uh, passionate about people realizing their potential, um, and we don't. We think the, the the way people can go about that is actually knowable, and it can yeah. be accelerated. And so. Um, we started an organization called the Leaders Lyceum, and the Leaders Lyceum, the program that you came through, yeah. uh, um, uh, takes groups mostly in corporate settings, uh, but yeah. a lot. Thirty percent of our work is in higher education. Mm-hmm. Um, we do some open enrollment programs. We do things like that. But the whole idea is is that is that growth can be accelerated. We've been measuring that for about the past four or five years, and we're seeing ten x. Mm-hmm. multiples 10x of what the ordinary process of growth and all of this really based in social sciences and adult development so that's my that's yeah. my focus so let me let me kind of dive in a little bit there just to clarify you know i think when a lot of people think about growing as a person it's this ambiguous thing of like you kind of learn something and then you just get a little bit better and it it's ambiguous and it's it's confusing i think in a lot of ways, yeah. but people, that's how they think about it. And so what's distinctly different about that to the way that you're describing it? Yeah. I mean, isn't it interesting that we can all reflect back uh-huh. and go, oh my gosh, I've grown so much since that time. Yeah. Right. And so we know that there's something happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess uh, we, you know, we, we kind of operate uh, with a group of colleagues around the world um, that focus on something called constructive developmental theory. And it's mm-hmm. the, that the way that we make meaning or understand our world 
uh, and the maturation process, if we keep growing over a period of time, is actually um, knowable and predictable. Mm -hmm. It does not need to be a mystery mm -hmm. because I think, you know, almost everybody who's going to listen to this <laughs> podcast knows intuitively that they're going to come out of this time we're in right now different than they were, that the country will come out different than they were, that business is probably going to operate in some way differently than yeah. it did. Um, but when you're in the middle of it, it feels confusing, right? It mm -hmm. feels like, well, I don't get it. And, and we're saying this does not need to be a mystery. That's what the book, The Map, yeah. was about, is that when you, there, there is a roadmap for growth. And when you can understand where you are on that roadmap, it can actually make the journey more effective, more efficient, more enjoyable, all yeah. these things. So, and Well, and I guess the question that I have there, um, why, why isn't it more prominent, these, this structure and, and in terms of how we're taught and, and knowing it? I mean, how come I had to stumble across it, you know, 20 something years into my life before I even heard of it? You know? Oh my gosh, Jason, if I knew the answer <laughs> to that, that would be magical. Um, so it's not... It, it's not quick fixy. Yeah. Right. It's not, mm -hmm. um, it, it's not like just applying these seven principles or these, you know, whatever these things are, all of those are good by the way. And, yeah. and, um, you know, some of the people who really had an impact in terms of the books that they published, um, it's all moving people in the right direction. Yeah. But time is a key component to our growth. Mm -hmm. um, and because it doesn't lend itself, I don't think to the latest kind of, here's the thing that you can do really quickly, but it is an engagement. It reminds me of a Eugene Peterson book title that was a long obedience in the same direction. Mm -hmm. And we realize these kind of stages or phases where the growth is so real. Uh, it's, it's energizing. Yeah. But then there are times that, I mean, isn't this true that you just feel like you're slogging <laughs> yeah. through it, right? Or wandering and, in circles. <laughs> yeah. And so I think, you know, what I'm starting to see um, over the last, uh, well, I, really the last two decades, my dissertation has gotten a lot of attention internationally, even. I get okay. emails every month from conversing with a guy <laughs> right now um, from Kenya and he's doing his doctorate and trying to put this into work in the school systems in Nairobi. And it's, you know, just, it's cool, exciting, um, cool, exciting stuff. And I lost my train of thought on your question. Give me your. Well, so I, yeah, no, I'm curious as to, to why it's taken so long for this to get out there. And, and, and maybe we haven't quite had a tipping point for its mainstream, but um, it, it seems so, fruitful to understand this, especially at a young age, if you followed it and, and were kind yeah. of understanding this, and then you carried it with you through your life, you'd be able to accelerate that even further. Yeah. Um, again, I don't, I, I don't know the magic formula why, why something catches, but what I was going to say yeah. um, is that what we're starting to see now is especially in the executive coaching world, mm -hmm. especially, um, uh, th th this work is starting to underpin more and more people's work. 
Yeah. Um, and I think one of the principles is, is that it's always the hard stuff that we're going through. Yeah. That, it, that accelerates growth. And you're, so you're starting to hear more people talk about that, right? You're yeah. starting to hear more people talk about how this difficulty can lead to positive outcomes down the road. Um, uh, but again, I, I wish I knew the magic <laughs> formula. There's yeah. a handful of us out there that have, you know, written some, uh, written some books on this and are you really using this as an underpinning? Yeah, and that's something I, I put in, in my book as well. I, I put some of your, your work in there to, um, to frame the personal growth as a business leader, as an entrepreneur. You know, this is, this is how you need to look at it. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, I guess we, as you talk about that, kind of the challenges that we're facing, you know, we've, we are hitting, you know, what I'm seeing as a cascading series of crises. So, you know, we had the pandemic, which led to an economic, um, which led to a social, and, and none of them are over. They're just they're just adding on top of each other. Yeah. And so it is, uh, I, I feel like we're facing these challenges and in some ways it's crippling, but in other ways it's fast forwarding, it's accelerating things. Um, there are some people that are in almost denial that anything has even changed. And then there are those that are already moving on to the new paradigm and, and everyone caught in between. And so just before we dive into the framework in the book, you know, how should we be processing and looking at this situation in a way that doesn't um, melt our brains <laughs> or yeah. our bodies in the process, but helps us actually be effective leaders through it. Yeah, I, th I think there's a couple of um, things that can really help people that are feeling like, what's all this about and where do I go from here and what's this going to mean to me? Uh, it's a little harder to deal with the folks on the two poles that you yeah. described, right? Yeah. They're, they're already in some ways kind of dead set in their paradigm. Um, but there is a, uh, you know, I think as we, as we consider this time we're in and to not make this overly complex in light of kind of the uh, theories of adult development that can help us understand the growth that we're going through. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of questions that we can really ask ourselves. Okay. Um, who do I want to be when this is over? kind of character, what kind of attitude, what, you know, th these, these kinds of sort of pre-thinking through mm -hmm. who do I want to be? Yeah. Or what's the story I want to tell? Okay. Um, and so as we find ourselves in the middle of what is undeniably a challenge for almost everybody, I mean, it, it, it is um, even those who are realizing um sort of new opportunities through this time. I mean, you and I were talking before we got on there, if everyone had the foresight to buy Zoom a couple of years ago, it would have been a great thing, right? So there are yeah. people who are actually realizing new opportunities because of the situation we're in. Yeah. Um, but, and we haven't talked about this yet on this call, but, but the, we, we use this phrase that it's really challenging contradiction. And mm -hmm. what we mean by that is challenging circumstances. Right. And I think we find ourselves in challenging circumstances right now yeah. that contradict our current understanding. Mm -hmm. And I've got my little clip on glasses and it's like you and I both coming into this conversation, everyone who's listening to it, we, we have a lens that we see the world through right mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Um, it filters um, so much of how we make sense of everything. Yeah. So when challenging circumstances come up that contradict that lens, that that lens cannot make perfect sense of, 
It's our perseverance through that over a period of time that actually leads to a, oh yeah, that's how I used to see it. It's an objective, an objectification of the of the of the previous level of understanding. Yeah. And now, but now there's a new lens that I see the world through. And and what we know about the way grown-ups keep growing yeah. is that is that there is order to that. Mm-hmm. The, those lens changes that there is. And so as we find ourselves in the middle of these multifaceted crises that we're in, yeah. um, I, I think knowing that our goal as grownups, right? If you're, if you're in your early twenties or beyond, your goal is to increasingly take ownership of who you're going to be. Yeah where you're going to come down on issues to mm-hmm. be less defined by the circumstances, by yeah. the panic, yeah. by what other people are saying. Mm-hmm. Although what other people are saying are valuable sources of input. Yeah. Right. But it's really figuring out who you're going to be. And that, and that is really what defines maturity as mm-hmm. we continue aging. So I guess when you talk about, you know, our lens and then this next lens that we can get as, to add on to it, I do see in this crisis, crisis, and I guess the cascading crisis, there is a danger to ourselves, the people we care about in our society, if we don't let go of the lens we're looking through the world and, and start to move towards that next one. Do you, do you agree with that or disagree? Yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, there's um, a, a, a different way to kind of cast this is to talk about um, the biases that we hold, mm-hmm. right? And the the, the biases that shape our current understanding. And, and if we don't think we have biases, that's the best indicator that, that we really do. I mm-hmm. mean, the people who are most mature, who are most wise can actually speak to, again, almost in this kind of objective way, um, yeah. you know, what, what, what holds them in place or what shapes their understanding that may not be beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess let's dive in. Kind of give us a brief survey of of this framework. There's these five, you know, lenses that we can look at. Um, yeah. Really, it's the second, third, fourth, and fifth that are most relevant to adults, and and right. hopefully three, four, and five <laughs> as opposed to two. But but you can dive into a lot of so walk us through that framework in in a brief way, and and then we'll use that as kind of a we'll explore those different um, lenses as we look at the crisis. I'll try and go through this really quickly, but it took us 350 pages (laughs) to spell it out uh, before. And we tried to, you know, when we wrote the map, um, you know, Bob Keegan, who is one of my heroes, wrote a book called The Evolving Self. And then um, I followed that up with several other books. We tried to make an accessible version of this. So let me just see if I can't put this into sort of layman's terms a little Mm -hmm. bit. There are some identifiable early stages of development that are specific only to children. Yeah. Um, and that kind of culminates in the work that a guy, a philosopher named Jean Piaget, mm-hmm. um, who any of your education majors would be familiar with, but, the, but um, culminated around middle school. Yeah. And it was sort of this concrete operational way of understanding the world. We call that level two. Level one is a stage of development in childhood that no children um, don't grow through. So they're 
there, there, meaning there are no adults then that are still <laughs> making sense of the world like a five-year-old, despite yeah. what people, people tell me every day, you haven't met my boss, right? <laughs> um, but, the, but, but level two is this really concrete either or kind of fixed understanding of the world yeah. that also happens to be very me first. Okay. Like I've got to win. I've got to come out on top. I've got to get my way. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, even in the adult professional population, about three to 5% of mm-hmm. adults, and that doesn't sound like much, but for every hundred people, you know, that's maybe five people Yeah, still make sense of the world in this very either or me first, what am I going to get out of it? How am I going to win kind of way? And so that's level two. Yeah. For um, teenagers and uh, even very young adults who are continuing to grow, mm-hmm. they have moved out of that me first way. And there is a more connected um, uh, understanding that I am part of a systems that are bigger than me. Yeah. Uh, that being able to put myself in other people's shoes and, and all of this begins to uh, characterize level three understanding. Yeah. Now, all of that is positive. Having mentors in your life, having key influencers in your life, identifying with ideologies, both politically, religiously, Mm -hmm. um, in the way work should be done, in the way friends should be with one another, around parenting, around all of these different things. People are shaped by those people that they choose to affiliate with. Yeah. And that's appropriate for a period of time. The average age in the population that people sort of hit the apex, if you will, of level three is 22 years of age. Mm. The problem is, is that an increasing number of people stop growing once they get there. Mm -hmm. And what you see is sort of an immature over-identification with these affiliations. Yeah. Um, So again, the easiest, we're not, you know, politics and religion is always dangerous to talk (laughs) about, but in a very general sense, being shaped by the influences you chose to choose to associate with, but never really taking ownership of those becomes an arrested development, a a characteristic of not continuing to grow. Yeah. Um, But most adults you know, now we're up to the remaining 80% or so of the population continue to push through level three and move into level four. Yeah. Now, the thing that's funny, Jason, is the growth in the normal population, just the uh, average is a better word, in the average population between level three and level four is a 20 year journey. Mm. It's actually more than that. It's actually, it's actually 22 years in the average population. And that journey through our 20s, into our 30s, into our mid-40s, for most people, um, is, is about not being defined by all of these outside sources, mm-hmm. but rather allowing those outside sources to be influences that refine our understanding of ourselves. Yeah. And so when we... Um, when we think about that, you know, people who are really caught up in um, 
oh my gosh, what's all, what's all this going to mean? You know, all of these, all of these um, affiliations that they hold with either one side or the other, but that they haven't really thought through themselves. Yeah. But they're adults. They're smart enough to understand them and adopt them and, and even repeat them and argue them in yeah. some ways. <laughs> at but least at a surface really level. Been, yeah. At least yeah. at a surface level. Yeah early on at a surface level. And then if there's not growth, it starts to seem shallow, mm. right? It's it not only is it at a surface level, there's no depth below it. Yeah. Right. But becoming level four and, you know, back to your question about why hasn't this get, why hasn't this caught on? Well, this growth from level three to level four, this 20 plus year journey that's in the middle of our careers. Yeah. Um, that's not a quick fix. <laughs> it's a 22, right? It takes, it takes a while. But, but again, one of the things that we know to be true is that when people understand this map and that this journey, they start looking at circumstances hmm. and they start saying, why am I letting this bother me so much? I don't want yeah. this to bother me this much. Yeah. Or what's even better is somebody says something to you and you, and you're losing sleep yeah. over what they said. And it's yeah. like, I know I shouldn't be letting this bug me, but it's bugging me that it's bugging me, right? And yeah. what's that all about? Mm -hmm. Well, knowing that the next step on the journey, the appropriate next steps are really to, I don't know, take, really decide who you're going to be in the midst of it. And Jason, yeah. you've been down the road long enough. You could tell your own stories about this. I can tell my own stories about this. Mm -hmm. So in a nutshell, that gets us up to level four. Yeah. Um, I, 85% of the population, no matter how long they live, stops growing at level four or below. There are sort of predictable percentages that arrest at kind of half stages uh, or even quarter stages in between level three and level four. Yeah. But people who keep growing beyond level four to level five, mm -hmm. which is the final destination on the journey if you keep growing, are really characterized not just by owning their position on things, not just by knowing who they are and not being determined by circumstances. Um, those folks are able to hold that position within that groundedness with an open hand and actually look at other people's positions that they're grounded in and 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 the lens right if i pick up my glasses again <laughs> the lens that starts to emerge yeah is is a more integrated uh not just managing the diversity of our perspectives and how relevant mm -hmm. is that right now yeah but but really beginning to celebrate and mm -hmm. see the values that knit us together yeah it's why when we get to um kind of look at the first person writings of people who are no longer with us, but just great leaders and MLK Jr. right now is so prevalent in the middle of, you know, I'm hearing more and more requotations. Yeah. But, but it goes back to Abraham Lincoln. Nelson Mandela is another beautiful example of this, that they began to really see the framework of what knit us, knits us together. Yeah. Not just what separates us and how we need to manage that. Mm. So on the level five, you know, one of the, as we go through this crisis, I feel like, and, and even to some degree, maybe even level four, but we're lacking. I feel like there's a leadership vacuum, um, and I've I've really spent time trying to find those level five leaders, 
that are also willing to speak into the situation so I can gain, gain that wisdom. And, and they're very, they're very hard to find. And if they're out there, they're very rare. And so, you know, is this, um, how do you, how do you reconcile that? And two, is this an opportunity? Is this season a potential opportunity that, that maybe we get a lot of more of those four level four people to move to the next level instead of staying stuck in, in their point of their paradigm, I guess. Yeah, I think quite potentially that will happen when we look back historically over time. Um, level five leaders have usually emerged in the midst of a crisis. Mm -hmm. um, mm. It feels to me, but it has felt to me for the last period of time, like, um, like we're at that we're like we're at that tipping point. You know, it's yeah. it, you're. I'm wondering who may who may step up, mm -hmm. and where that person's going to come from. Yeah. I do think there are a lot of level five leaders out there doing just incredible work, but it's more behind the scenes. They're not on the national stage as much. Yeah. Um, I do think there's a handful of level four leaders, but I think there's also a lot of level three leaders and uh, and in over-identification where the ideology that they associate with is actually defining their point of view rather yes. than them. In other words, that point of view has them. Mm -hmm. They don't have that point of view. And yeah. that sounds harsh, but it's, it's real. And the only way we discover that, when we discover that best is in the midst of challenge. Mm -hmm. It's when that very way of understanding that lens that we see the world through gets pushed and bumped up against in ways that it's like, okay, this doesn't make sense to me anymore. Mm -hmm. That's our opportunity for growth. Yeah. So let's, let's walk through levels two, three, four, and five and, and kind of put on the glasses of, you know, starting with level two and looking at the crisis, how are they seeing it? And I think those examples can help us to understand wow. each one, understand where we might fall in that and then understand how we can synthesize these together. <laughs> So. Yeah, you're asking me to <laughs> take some chances here, maybe. I don't know. I am. Uh... Um, so, I, so, so, um, the level two perspective, again, sort of this middle school way of understanding the world, yeah, is just incredibly either or, and my side's got and my side's got to win. Mm -hmm. Um, and so <clears throat> people who respond in this way could either resp it's more likely that they would respond on one of the two poles mm -hmm. like this is all a farce or oh my gosh the world is coming to an end because of this mm -hmm. but it's even possible that they could respond in the middle position as well what characterizes level two is that they can't put themselves in the shoes of anybody who mm -hmm. sees it differently than they do regardless of where that person is or regardless of where they are yeah so, so level two is this really me first and, and really an over identification that my way needs to win. Yeah. With level three, my entire identity, my entire way that I understand myself is wrapped up in the position that I affiliate with. And is that position, does it have to be, um, does there have to be a person associated with that? In other words, if you associate with the group, someone has to be the spokesperson for the group. To there usually is a spokesperson. Okay. Yeah. So in 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 uh, in in more faith based settings, it is the you know the religious leader in yeah. some ways. Um, 
in political settings, it is the political leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, there are many people that I, I affiliate with a news outlet. Yeah. And, um, and I don't do anything to challenge that source of input. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so they really get swayed. I've appreciated what you've done on your blog with the trying to throw some data out there, yeah. right? To let people begin to look at and make sense of things. Um, and for me personally right now, it's it's been a journey of how many different points of view can I hear, mm-hmm. right? That, that yeah. I want as many sources of data as I can get, not... And, and, and to not be scared that one that challenges a position <laughs> that I hold may rock my world to the point that I don't know what to do anymore. Right. Yeah. So our, our so intellectual this, or emotional wits end. <laughs> yeah. So this pure level three is this over identification and that maybe that's a good way to phrase it, Jason, this over identification mm-hmm. with a position. Now, now the problem is that, I think this is true that a majority of the population is in the level three. It's at either early, middle, or later in the stages. So yep. there sh- it feels like these waves that are crashing in different directions based on these different ideologies. And that seems pretty dangerous if you're on a boat in that water. <laughs> yeah. It feels unstable, right? It's like yeah. what it, but the other thing is, I mean, think about this. If If your entire identity, if the way, you not only understand the world, but the way you understand yourself, yeah. right, is, is uh, tied up with this position. Mm-hmm. As this, this becomes a survival thing. Yeah. It's like you, you're, if your entire identity is being held by something outside of you. Mm-hmm. And let me say one thing, if you're in, if, if, if a listener is in their 20s, that's where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Right. That's a time of life where you are turning to people that you trust as outside sources to say, let me help me understand this. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's why for so many people that come through our programs, but just so many people I meet, honestly, when they reflect back on their twenties, assuming that they're beyond that now. Yeah. Um, they can name the four or five mentors that were really important in shaping the adults yeah. that they continued becoming, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if we leave this sort of really um, exaggerated version of level three, this 22-year-old version of level three, yeah, and we jump all the way to level four, there is a groundedness, mm-hmm. right? There is a there is a system of values that we can't reflect on, right? That they are the lens that kind of defines our understanding. Yeah. Um, but, but we spend a lot of time at level four sort of integrating new data into our existing models. Yeah. Mm. But, but. To either but, reinforce the, it or but not, but not necessarily. Itself, not necessarily to challenge the model, but to reinforce it. Is that what you mean? Yeah, a lot of times to reinforce it or to figure out how, I'm go- how am I going to manage different points of view, right? And so it's not, it's not integrating it yet. It's managing it. Yeah. And by the way, this describes a lot of people between the ages of like 50 and 70, mm-hmm. 
right? And if you don't quit growing, and you've heard me say this in the book, <laughs> you've heard me say it in programs, if, if you make it to level four and you're in your 50s or 60s or even early 70s and you have not continued growing, um, I don't think it's much of an oversimplification to say that you're either going to become a cranky old person or a benign old person. Mm. You just sort of have your way of understanding it and you you know, all those people are out there crazy, but you're not really making a contribution to the conversation. You're just enduring it, right? Yeah. And people who are the people I describe as more benign, uh, there's usually a cocktail hour <laughs> associated with that because you've got to deal with all this contradiction to go to sleep mm -hmm. and alcohol can help. Yeah. Right? Um, the, uh, the cranky old people are the ones that double down they get kind of dogmatic and start a lot of their sentences well when my generation right yeah. and fill in the blank the reality is is probably most of the people who are listening to this podcast people between the ages of 25 and 55 yeah are somewhere in between level three and level four they're they're at five measurable steps along that journey and so some of them are you know uh again, I'm 57 years old. I don't think there's been anything like this in my lifetime that I can recall mm -hmm. that feels like a ground shaking sort of thing that's sort of come out of nowhere, right? Yeah. Well, and it and seems so, like if, if you have a model that is for the old paradigm, for the paradigms that you've experienced, and then you as someone who has an anchored model or someone in level four or beyond, that I mean, in the book, you talk about the idea of when you use your shovel to do something that's not digging, you know, it, it doesn't help you anymore. You it's need a new tool. tool anymore, right? And I don't know, I would imagine if I was highly anchored in a model, that would be very destabilizing. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really destabilizing um, for those who have not self-authored mm. in that particular area. And, 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 and um, because challenge and contradiction, because these um, uh, situations and circumstances that bump up against our lens, when we lean into those, we begin the, the, the developmental move, growth as an adult, yeah. is beginning to land in a place where I'm increasingly owning more and more of who I am. So people who are full-time in a career a lot of times begin to self-author in that environment. Okay. If they're married and have children, they, they begin to figure out through the challenge and contradiction that all of that brings, that most of them get grounded. They, 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 they don't <clears throat> put their, their well-being in the hands of circumstances that they don't have control over. Mm. Right. But rather they start to say, well, who am I going to be in the midst of these challenges? What kind of parent am I going to be? What kind of spouse am I going to be? What kind of partner am I going to be? Yeah. So, um, I, so where does the, what is it that shakes the, the four and in, in, into the five or, or at least encourages? Yeah. Some? And that's jumping forward a little bit, but yeah, that's good. The, what, what shakes the four into the five is either incredible intentionality. Okay to actually expose yourself to points of view that are not your own. 
-hmm. points of view that are different than what you came down on. And I can tell you some stories about that if we've got time before this is over. Yeah. Because I've tried to take some steps that are really intentional that have been super powerful. Mm -hmm. But I tell you the stories that a lot of older people tell who have become level five on their journey is that they're their world, the way they understand it was shaken to its core. Yeah. And there was no longer an ability to hide or defend Mm. in some way. And these include tragic stories of losing children. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, children dying or, or spouses and partners dying of, Mm -hmm. uh, of a disease or even suffering a disease themselves where there's no hiding from it anymore. Mm. Is, is that kind um, of a, in a way, is, is a level four shaping a paradigm that's not always consistent with reality or not fully consistent? Because uh, I, I hear a tension consi- between reality and, and Yeah, so Jason, for most people, for, for most people who grow to level four, yeah. um, it's consistent with their reality. Okay their experience um, of it. And yeah, because uh, people don't come up or, or develop or author an understanding um, that doesn't make sense to them. Yeah. So, I mean, to dive into some controversy here, um, the racial tension, I, I think, you know, not growing up as a black man, I don't know what that is like. Right. And so when they say that, if someone else kind of almost dismisses it, well, that, that's not my experience, right? I, I'm not racist or I've never experienced that or never witnessed that. It, there's a disconnect there. Is that kind of what you're describing? Yeah, it's more beautiful than that <laughs> yeah. um, in a way, actually, because there is the opportunity to fully understand someone else's experience. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, almost without fail, it will challenge our lens, the efficacy, the effectiveness of our lens. Um, What I think is equally as amazing about this time and beautiful about this time is that, um, you know, I too grow up, I'm a white male. Yeah. there's new opportunities for me to even understand things about me Mm. that I didn't understand because it wasn't challenged. It was just the life I was living. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I guess the thing that comes to my mind is, does that mean it feels like one of two things, or, or maybe it's a spectrum, but you have to invite that or participate in it because you could also just, reject it and, and further put up your wall, right? Oh my gosh, I know so many people who've got their self-authored way and they're just taking that information and integrating it in ways that are not leading to growth. Mm. It's just, you know, there's a lot of compartmentalization and categorization and that's, well, that's those people or they think this way or, and maybe you have a new understanding that people think that way. Yeah but you, it hasn't really grown you to the point that a higher order set of values begins to emerge as the new lens. Mm -hmm. So, which is why, which is why, by the way, historically, Martin Luther King Jr. presented 
problems for so many people. <laughs> he was an anomaly to their paradigm. Is that he, what at his age? He's one of the youngest um, people that we have evidence grew into level five. I've actually interviewed some people who no one outside of their community would ever have heard of at some pretty early ages. Mm -hmm. And their influence is meaningful in the circles in which they operate. Yeah. But King was on a national stage, right? Yeah. And, and um, he forced the country, um, regardless of where people were, he, he, he forced them to look inward in a way. Mm. And whether they were intentionally asking the question or not, <laughs> to say, who am I going to be now? What's the story I'm going to, I want to tell Yeah. when this is over. And you can look at people who've been not growth oriented examples of this, that just throw it into a box and sort of saying, that's that thing. And that's maintaining your foreness. Mm. Moving toward level five is actually seeing the connectedness between things that we've form formally thought of as dividing us. Okay. Yeah. So, when I think about the, these levels, you know, I guess um, you, you, your point about MLK was he forced, he it was this visible symbol and icon and voice in person that, that drove that internal reflection that may not have been there if he hadn't been there in the way that he was. So how, what are the questions, you know, when you think about these, these levels, what are the questions we can ask each of these levels if that is us or if it's someone we know? that could help them, that could empower us or equip us to do the very thing that he did to people that are at these different levels. Yeah, so you're, and let me just make sure I understand. You're asking kind of if we see ourselves at level four, how do we keep going beyond that? Is that where you're kind of, is that's what's behind yeah, the question? Yeah, or if I know someone that is in that level four and they aren't growing, what can I do to to uh, ask them, to to encourage them to, challenge them in a way that they may not do necessarily on their own accord. Yeah, I think curiosity is probably the word that knits a lot of this together. Mm -hmm. um, but, but growth from four to five happens when we, when we can see a different perspective and allow it to shape our perspective. Okay. Um, and so, you know, if you were trying to promote this kind of growth in someone else, and, and by the way, you can make the transfer to, to think about how you would promote this kind of growth in your, your own self. Yeah. But if you were to try and do it with someone else, questions like, have you ever, not, not in a challenging way, in a curious way. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on this point of tension that I've been struggling with. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I wonder if you, if it's, a, if it's a white person, I wonder if you had grown up black, how you might see this differently. Mm. Um, have you ever thought about volunteering in a community that doesn't look like you? Mm -hmm. Right. One of the more proactive things that I've seen 
move people off of their foreness is when they have gone on a service or mission trip to, uh, you know, to Haiti or Central yeah. America or something like that. And they don't talk about the new things they learned. They talk about how life-changing it was. Hmm. And I think what they often mean or most of the times mean about life-changing is that it was lens-changing. Yeah. I, I don't see the world the same anymore. And that, you know, that sounds very similar. Help. Yeah, it sounds similar to what you're saying about MLK. It, it wasn't necessarily that someone went to yeah. him. He came to them. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I think the thing that made kind of the his approach and Gandhi would fall into this same kind of category, this whole nonviolent thing is he took the battle out of it in one sense. Yeah. And I, I and elevated the battle in, in <laughs> another sense, right? I mean, he, I just, I, I, I just watched for the first time Selma, the movie that came out, I think a couple of years ago, maybe, um, yeah. la or maybe last year. I don't know when it came out, but I watched it on Netflix or something like that. Um, his not fighting back. And, and I, I feel funny saying that he, he was he was fighting back more valiantly in the way he didn't fight back, right? Yeah. I mean, so so I don't want to. It took more courage to not fight back. It took more courage to do what he did, but but what happened to so much of the country is they couldn't sit there and leave it in a box anymore. Yeah, they couldn't it, yeah. leave it in their little categorization of black people in the South. Mm -hmm. Right, it was like, oh my gosh, what's what's going on here, and and who am I going to be? Yeah, and where am I going to come down on this? And I talk to people right now in their 80s when I have the chance to enter. I've interviewed people a lot to, around this developmental model. I can't tell you how many elderly white people that I interview wish that they had told a different story during that time. Mm. Right, but even that regret is changing and opening and knitting together a bigger, more sage-like, wise point of view mm -hmm. at this stage of their life. Yeah, so I guess the, then the, the, the gap that comes to my mind is that Martin Luther King Jr., he unified people at level two and three and four and these different levels as a level five leader. And when I see now, I see, I see the, the pandemic, I see the economic, I see the social. I see a bunch of groups in the different levels competing against each other. Um, and, and you have kind of good and evil forces integrated yeah. into all of them. And, and, and we don't have that, that leadership. That's the leadership vacuum. And I feel like it, it, it seems like the, um, it's actually diminishing the power um, to illuminate the problems and also solve them in an effective way. Yeah. Yeah. One thing is um, King moved a lot of people at levels three, four, and five. Um, I think what he got from a lot of the level two people out there, which depending on the population, the statistics change more people are arrested at level two in different populations. Mm -hmm. 
but he actually got more resistance, right? And even some people who were really immature in their threeness, this kind of outside in, yeah, they became even more vehement in their resistance to what he was saying. And mm -hmm. again, any of these movies um, do a really good job portraying sort of the either or dogmatic we're going to win at all costs kind of reactions that people had to that. Yeah. But, but, but I want to pick up on something you said. There does appear to me as someone who has studied leadership effectiveness for their entire career, essentially, um, there's a leadership vacuum mm -hmm. on a national level. There are voices out there, um, but but there does appear to be a vacuum. Um, at best, what I'm seeing is people who are trying to come up with techniques mm -hmm. for us to manage our differences. Mm. I don't see people coming together to knit, to, to knit together a larger whole. Yeah. And that's when things got, you know, um, that's what we saw different. Um, it's what we saw different with Mandela. That's what we saw different with Gandhi late in his life. That's what we saw different with King, but it wasn't late in his life. He was 39 years old when he was shot. Yeah. Um, I, I guess the, the curious, curious question that I have then is, did those leaders arise out of the movement or did they start the movement? Uh, it's, that's a great question. And um, there's a lot to be said for situational leadership theories that the, that the circumstances actually raise up the leader in a yeah. way um uh but there it's it's really it's really not it's really not either or um if you go back and read king's first person writings which is the best reflection of how he was making sense of the world at the time yeah um you can see him growing through the movement mm -hmm. um the difference between abraham lincoln's first inaugural and second inaugural is the difference between level four and level five. So it was like the challenge and contradiction of the civil war and being in the presidency at that time, actually, I think grew him into a level five leader. Um, Mandela is a more interesting case on sort of a national level in that you know, he was imprisoned for 25 years, which is a lot of time <laughs> to think about who you're going to be. And, yeah. and not everybody does that. He did it, though. Mm. Um, you know, Gandhi had already adopted um, uh, nonviolent means of protest yeah. before he became level five. But what we see, he did not leave us any first person writings really late in his life. Yeah. But what we see with Gandhi is someone, I think, who came to it also sort of interactively in response to the circumstances, mm -hmm. but also with this unique willingness to hold his way with a looser grip. Yeah. Right. Not to be like d doubled down on yeah. it. Well, I think what's interesting, I guess, about those examples is you know, the, the research does show in terms of effective protesting, you know, uh, nonviolent protests are twice as more likely to be effective. And, and there's, there's a lot of benefits to, to taking it 
the approach that they did, but I don't get the sense that they looked at the evidence and went, this is the most effective way to affect change. There was something deeper that was informing that, and it just happened to be effective as well. W would you agree with that or disagree with that? What do you think? Oh, gosh. I, yeah, I do think that when we draw, when we feel like there needs to be retribution mm -hmm. um, in some form or fashion, um, that there is, th that's the opposite of challenging your own understanding. Mm -hmm of really trying to reflect on how you know yourself and the world in which you're operating, right? Yeah. Um, and so the more violent the protesting becomes, the more almost by definition, the more defensive we need to become, mm. right? We, we've got to defend our property or our way or, 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 or all of these things, what the more nonviolent protests begin to do, especially when the numbers are getting as big as they are around a lot of the social unrest right now, is that it's hard to watch that and not go, wow, that's a lot of people who are kind of taking a stand, who are maybe even putting themselves physically at risk, mm -hmm. um, is the way that I'm thinking about this completely correct? Or yeah. do I, or, or can that understanding be challenged? Mm -hmm. And again, this, this model of adult development that is in the book and that, you know, underpins so much of what we do um, is really about continuing to challenge in a systematic way our own understanding. Mm -hmm. um, so what what is it in us that is holding us back? Is it fear? Is it ego? Something else? Yeah, I think fear is a big part of it. There is, there is always fear in letting go. And usually um, at every stage of <laughs> development, even all the way back to the terrible twos. <laughs> yeah. Right, you've got your little, you got your grip on reality, on uh -huh. your reality, and it's circum. In childhood, it's more predictable what does is does it, but it's like it, it's like, you, you know, the, it, it's almost like the circumstances are prying your hand open. Yeah, and, and you're saying, I th this can't do anymore. What's next? Mm -hmm. And then we and then we begin to begin to figure that out and piece it together. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't have to be random. Yeah. I think that's the that's the purpose of our work is it doesn't have to be random. The way we grow is knowable, mm -hmm. and it can be accelerated. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a lot of what you're trying to get at in this podcast is kind of like what can we do or what should we be doing differently. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think there's things that we can learn from Yeah. Uh, when it comes to that. And when you think about whatever your lens is that you see the world through, mm -hmm. when you allow that lens to be challenged, that's scary. Yeah. 
right? But when you can do that, what is going to result is a more integrated, more comprehensive understanding of the circumstances because you're going to have brought more factors to bear. Yeah. You know, and what the research that we've done around this shows that people, um, when the scales tip between, uh, like, between level three and level four, mm-hmm. when so, in other words, for people who are only listening to this, when you become more level four than you are level three, yeah, almost every measure of effectiveness, leader effectiveness, life satisfaction, and well-being changes becomes greater, becomes better. Yeah, dramatically, right? Yeah, and it gets dramatically better by the time we get to level four, right? Um, It's kind of like when I've I've been an extra on some movies and I've gone there and there's like a 20-something year old and I'm like, I'm just glad I'm not that person anymore. (laughs) I'm glad I've grown because I can see the contrast between where I used to be and where I am. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and do you know what? Most people who've continued to grow over the course of their lives can look back and they're grateful for that, even though they wish their bodies worked a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the physical decay is not. not. So I guess the, one of the last things I would want to hit on before we wrap up here, but the the difference between us changing ourselves and maybe Uh even influencing the people and the immediate sea around us. Yeah. What is it, what does it mean for systematic change to, to change things in a community, in a society, and in our country. I mean, that's, that's yeah, a whole a whole nother layer, I think. But it comes yeah, down to had, that. Yeah. No, it's good. It's there is a um, there is a peer pressure around growth that can be productive. Yeah. And helpful. Um, we have seen this happen in executive teams, um, in organizations where you begin to see almost like the leader level of the organization change. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of proactive measures, but it is, oh gosh, Jason, I, this, I think there's going to have to be uh, some, there, there's going to have to be some leadership that steps up that gets us to begin to collectively challenge our collective understanding, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I have to tell you, um, if enough people would just do it individually, and I think some of that is beginning to happen now. Yeah. Um, the, the tide will begin to turn. It, it has turned over the last 50 or 60 years, especially around the racial unrest that we're mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's not where it needs to be. And do you know what? I don't know that it ever will be, Mm -hmm. but it needs to, it's, this is a time where better ought to be the result. Yeah. And, you know, I'm one of the pieces of writing I've been most moved by, honestly, in my whole life, um, is Martin Luther King's letter from the Birmingham jail. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you, you or your listeners have not ever read this, just Google it. It's like readily available. King yeah. letter from the Birmingham jail and they'll get it. But this, it, 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 you know, it began to, it began to change a national consciousness. Um, 
And I can't tell you whether that was just a, a collection of individuals who got began to see it differently, but that's certainly how pieces of it started. Mm -hmm. And then laws began to change and tolerance of people who were content to sit on the sidelines began to change. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's what growth is going to look like for us. You know, one of the things he said in that letter though, and is what brought it to mind based on your question is that complacency and just be patient is not an appropriate answer. Right, that's never been an appropriate answer for us individually, and it's probably not an appropriate answer for us on a societal level. We don't, we don't tell ourselves when we know we need to grow, well, if I just be patient, it'll be better in a decade. Right, <laughs> when our marriage is in crisis, it's not like, yeah, but I bet I'll have a different take on this in 10 years. Right, it's like, no, we need to, we need to do something about this. Yeah. We need to confront in what's in front of us right now mm -hmm. and acknowledging that that's not going to, that there's, there's no be all and all on this. Yeah. Actually to say that there's a be all end all individually or at the societal level would be like saying, I've got it all figured out. I don't need to grow anymore. Mm. Or we've got it all figured out. We don't need to grow anymore. Right. And, um, what's beautiful is that the people who are most elderly, who have the most years under their belt that I interview, who have been people who have continued to grow over the course of their lives, yeah. are, are like almost objectively closest to the destination, right? Yeah. But they're the ones who see more clearly how much growing there is left mm. to do. Yeah. Right. And that's an, that's an amazing thing to not think that we're going to get it, but that also shouldn't lead to complacency or contentment. Yeah. We've got stuff we need to be working on right now and I'm excited that it's happening. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your life with us today. Um, if people want to discover these ideas further, what resources, opportunities do you have for people to check out websites? Well, I mean, I, I think reading the, the map in the context of this, and they can people can go to the mapthebook.com, which okay. is the easiest website to get there. Uh, they can also go to growinggrownups.com, and it'll take them to the Leaders Lyceum website. Um, okay. The work that we do um, is all about developing the next generation of leaders and developing executive teams. Mm -hmm. um, so if that's what you're interested in, growinggrownups.com or theleaderslyceum.com, they can find resources there. All right. Well, thank you so much, Keith. I appreciate it. Jason, it is always so much fun to talk to you. And I uh, made me think about a lot of stuff. <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to say, but it's good. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. For additional stories and systems to work smarter and live better, visit jasonscottmontoya.com. That's jasonscottmontoya.com. Thank you for joining us on this episode, and we look forward to having you listen in to the next episode of Grow Your Life. Thank you.